Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Skull Stories presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, coming to you from the TCO studios in Egan, joined, as I always am, by the legendary Mark Rosen, and we have a Vikings legend who's going to join us for the show tonight, and that is former Vikings defensive lineman Keith Millard, who was on hand last weekend and took in the Vikings' victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Keith got things going, Mark, in the right direction by sounding the Galler horn and getting that U.S. Bank Stadium crowd rolling, and that is something getting the Vikings crowd going that Keith Millard did for a long time, isn't it, Mark? Well, that he did. Uh, a crowd favorite, and you could tell by the reaction at U.S. Bank Stadium as we uh, start a conversation with Keith. And Keith, it was great to run into you, literally run into you, and hug it out with you a little bit after uh, uh, blowing the Gallahorn. That had to be a lot of fun for you last Sunday. It was a, it was a blast, and it, and it was great running into you. It's always great running into you. It's been a long time since I've been there on a regular basis, so it's always good to run into old friends. And that's one of the reasons why I love going back there. And blowing that horn was an honor. It was uh, it was kind of a surprise. They called me on a Tuesday. Uh, Deb called me and asked me, on, you know, it was late notice if I'd be able to come in. And of course, you know, I'm I'm a stay home dad, so I've got uh, kids in the house and, and responsibilities. And I also volunteer at the high school with the JV football team because my son plays on it. My 14 year old and my older boy uh, Johnny is the head coach. So I try to do as much as I can with them uh, just to be around them, whether they want me or not. So um, I had to make I had to make uh, plans to make sure that uh, everything was done because my wife uh, still works. She still has her own career. Mm-hmm. So um, so I got that done and I actually got a call from Mr. Wilf, Mark Wilf. And uh, he kind of put a little cherry on top uh, to ensure <laughs> that I would go. And that was pretty cool. It, it was to get a call from the owner and, um, you know, to invite me to do this. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a great time. I really enjoyed it. It was great to be on the field, uh, in front of those fans and, and, and to watch those players play from that, uh, from that point of view. Uh, again, it's been a while since I've been on a field like that. So it was a great time for me. It was a great honor, great time. Um, I love that stadium. And of course, you know, We've always had the best fans in the NFL, without a doubt. And uh, it was just as electrifying uh, when I was there a few days ago as Mm -hmm. it was when I was a player in the Metrodome. It was awesome. Well, Keith, uh, I was there from the the beginning with you in an interesting road to greatness with the Minnesota Vikings in the National Football League. But it didn't start out that way. You were uh, first-round pick in 1984 draft. And I I recall, if I can, you were at a – Early mini camp when Les Steckel was named the head coach of the Vikings in 1984 out at Winter Park, and they were running you through some drill, and I don't think it went all that well for you. I think you may have even gotten sick. I don't recall, but all of a sudden, uh, <laughs> Keith Ballard was gone. He was signing with the Jacksonville Bulls. Uh, you were not a member of the Vikings <laughs> that year. Well, take us through that that storyline and what you recall about uh, what went down. Okay, so. Um... I got drafted first round. It was awesome. I mean, it was everything I've always wanted my whole life. I always dreamed playing in the NFL, whoever drafted me, it didn't matter. And, you know, Minnesota has a great tradition there. I mean, unbelievable. From Fran Tarkin, the purple people, Eater Days, all, all the guys that they, they've had and all the traditional uh, Coach Grant, 
I mean, it, it's unbelievable uh, legend and, and um, that, that they've had there over the years. So I knew they were, even though I'm from California and I'm at Washington State, um, and it was awesome. So I really wanted to go there. I couldn't wait to get there. I never thought about the USFL. I got drafted. The first defensive player drafted, I think I was the fifth overall pick, but I was actually drafted by the Arizona, I think it was the Wranglers. George mm-hmm. Allen was the uh, was the head oh, coach. My. And, yeah, so, um, so anyway, here I am. I'm not thinking about anything else but playing in the NFL. My dream come true. We go to minicamp. I didn't realize that Les Stecker was the head coach. I thought Bud Grant was still the head coach. I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't even talk to Les Deckel on draft day. I talked to uh, Don Dice. Who's, and, who's a scout, um, yeah. Right, and um, maybe Mike Lynn. I, I really don't remember. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, so here I am getting ready for minicamp to, to start my career. And I get there, and they're kind of showing me around the facility, and that that that, that newer facility, Need Prayer, is kind of new. So it was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. It was nice. I mean, wow, this is the NFL. This is pretty cool. So I'm walking around, and as I'm going down these stairs, this young guy's coming up. He's a young, clean-cut guy, super nice guy, and he stops and shakes my hand, and he says, hey, Keith, how you doing? I'm Les Steckel, and I really had no idea uh, who he was. I, didn't, I mean, he seemed way too young to be a, a head coach. So I didn't know if he was a player, if he was an assistant coach, whatever, and then he told me he was the head coach, and the, and the light kind of went on. So – it kind of got worse from there, right? So now oh, we're yeah. going into minicamp, and he's doing this thing, which he learned while he was in the military. It's kind of a boot camp. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Iron crazy. Man. It had nothing yeah. to do with football. Iron Man, this Iron Man stuff, but it was like um, all these different drills that military guys would go through in boot camp. So I'm like thinking, holy, when we get into the football stuff. And um, so they're putting us through this stuff. And I wasn't in great shape at that time. Um, and they put Mike Malarkey with me. They put a veteran with the rookie to make sure that we got through it. And I could not finish it. I could not finish it. I had huge blisters on my feet, basically worn out. Uh, and then we started getting to the practice up and, and mini camp went on as normal mini camps go. And then, uh, so when I got, so that was it. That was my experience. That was my mini camp experience. When I got back to Washington state, um, you know, remember they didn't have free agency in those days. So basically right. what they offered you, they would say, take it or leave it. And, um, we, we there was really no other competition and there's no way I wanted to play in the USFL. There's no way it wasn't even a question, but my agent kept saying, look, there's a lot of money at stake. You don't know how long you're going to play in this league. They're basically offering you at the time. They told me it was like second round money or mm-hmm. way low first round money. And I didn't really care. I still wanted to play. And he just talked me into playing in the USFL. And what happened is uh, Arizona traded my rights to the Jacksonville Bulls and ended up uh, playing a season with Jacksonville. I was miserable. Every, every week I was, you know, inquiring about not only the Vikings, but the NFL, all my friends were playing in the NFL. So basically I was just hoping to get through that year as best as I can, learn as much football as I could, you know, play, you know, at the highest level I could get all the experience I could. And I would hope it would end and I'd go back to Minnesota. And basically that's what happened. So 
The only downfall about that is I had to play two seasons in the same year with mm-hmm. a month between the end of the USFL season and the beginning of, uh, uh, tra- you know, uh, training camp in the NFL season. But I remember Bud Grant calling me because I was, we were still negotiating. Camp had already started. I wasn't there. And Bud called me, tracked me down. I don't know how he tracked me down. I was nowhere to be found. And um, I was basically at my old girlfriend's house. I don't know how he got the number, but he got it. He called <laughs> He's me. Bud Grant. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He goes, this is Bud Grant. He goes, you know, we, we started training camp. And we're trying to get you in here. You know, are you staying in shape or are you, are you ready to go if, if, if we get you in tomorrow, next week, whatever? And I said, yeah, I've been working out every day, blah, blah, blah. He goes, we're going to get it done. I want you here within the week. I want you here. Wow. And then hung up. And I was there probably five days later. So <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, you know, Grant says, do something, you, you do it regardless. And I wanted to be there. I really did. Well, you not only came back, we're talking to Keith Millard, came back and came back with a vengeance and became uh, one of the most dominant players, uh, defensive players I've ever seen. In fact, I always ask, I always tell people, they say, other than Alan Page, I thought you were the quickest defensive lineman that I'd ever seen play the game when you were in the prime of your career. And you had some good people around you, but you set the single season sack record back uh, for a defensive tackle in 1989 with 18. You were named NFL Defensive Player of the Year. So it all kind of led to that year, but... Uh, you must have had a blast during that that run with some of your best uh, buddies like Hank Thomas next to you. We did. We had a great team. And in those days, once again, we didn't have free agency. So you played with the same guys every year. I had the same teammates every year, the same coaches every year. So it was like a family atmosphere. We did everything together. We had what we called D-line night. We ate breakfast on Saturdays together. Uh, we always did things together after the game, you know, Studwell, Mullaney, all of us. Uh, we always did things as a team with our with our families. Um, it, it was a great atmosphere with great leaderships. Once again, you know, Stud, Tommy Kramer, mm-hmm. great leadership on that team and uh, a great family atmosphere. We had, you know, uh, we'll talk about all pros. We had an all pro coaching staff with Pete Carroll, Monty Kiffin, uh, Floyd Peters, just on defense alone, you know, Sergeant alone, Rock. Jerry yep. Yeah. And even Paul Wiggins was our mm-hmm. defense coach, the point of the best in the league. So, I mean, you couldn't lose with that coaching staff and they, and they basically didn't put any handcuffs on it. They let us go. They taught us the game and the mental part of it and pre- prepared us. And then just took the handcuffs off, said, go get them. And that's what we did. And it worked well for us. And we had a blast doing it. All right. Our conversation with Keith Millard is going to continue after the break. A special season for all sports fans. It was 1987. The Vikings made a magical playoff run. The Twins won the World Series. It was a good time to be alive for Minnesota sports fans. That and much more coming up after the break. Before we go, though, join host Mike Musman along with Alexander Madison for Vikings Country on October 22nd from 5.30 to 8.30 at Jimmy's in Vadness Heights. It's presented by Miller Lite. You could win great prizes, including tickets in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule. Okay, more Skull Stories coming up after this.
Hey everyone, it's Wabi. Welcome back to Skull Stories. More with Mark Rosen and Keith Millard in a second. But first, join Paul Allen and Paul Charchian at Buffalo Wild Wings in Crystal on Friday from 9 to noon for the Friday Football Feast. The Feast is presented by Coors Light. Check out the complete schedule at vikings.com and on the Paul Allen Show page at kfan.com. More Rosie and Millard right now. You came awfully close to getting to a Super Bowl in that strike sorting season in 87. You had the uh, memorable wins in, uh, I think, New Orleans and San Francisco, and they, they benched Joe Montana, brought Steve Young in, and then uh, the Washington game. But uh, that was a, quite a collection, of, and that was a, a very, very close opportunity to get to a Super Bowl. Yep, I really believe if we were going to do it based on, you know, first of all, we kind of backed into the playoffs that year. It was disappointing right. that we didn't really earn the, the, the spot, but but we got in, and, and, and everybody knows when you get in the playoffs, it's a whole new uh, season. Every All the chips, you know, or, or everybody's got the same amount of chips, and, and here we go. So when we went down there uh, to San Fran and beat them on their own turf coming off the Super Bowl the year before – that was a huge confidence builder because we, we beat them pretty good. And that was a huge uh, confidence build, builder for us. Wade Wilson had the game of his life. AC yeah. set all kinds of playoff records. The defense played pretty well. We gave Joe Montana fits. They basically had to pull him. And then, you know, and obviously we, we, we had to go to we, – I think we started out, we beat New Orleans first uh, at their home field. Right. Uh, that we beat the, hit them pretty good as well. So – um, we really thought that when we went, uh, you know, up to Washington DC to play the skins, uh, that we have the same outcome and, uh, it was a battle, but it just didn't work out. It was pretty disappointing to be honest. It's, it's one of the most disappointing things because we are so close. We would end up playing in the Denver Broncos. We already played them that year, beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really felt that would have been our year to, uh, to, to finally close one out and get that ring. Well, it was it was a memorable season for lots of reasons, and uh, you had a memorable career here. And unfortunately, you had a major knee injury that kind of uh, caused you to uh, to miss some some time and kind of set you back in your career. But you didn't stop. I, I forgot when I'm looking at your resume, you played with Seattle and the Packers briefly in 1992. But do you have any regrets about kind of finishing that way, or was it just something you wanted to you know, continue on with your career because you had this passion for the game? No, you know, I, I do have regrets. I don't even really, when people ask me, you know, Hey, you played for this team and you played for that team. I really don't uh, claim them to be honest. I mean, it's always an honor to play in the NFL period. And, uh, but, but the Vikings were my team and that's the, the, the team that I, that, you know, it's true to my heart and who I am. And, um, I just ran into some bad luck, uh, with my knee. I got that, I had that knee injury in 1990, uh, mm-hmm. the fourth game of the year coming off the best year I've ever had. I had the, the ACL reconstruction surgery and rehab that whole rest of the year to get back for 91. When training camp came around in 91, uh, the surgery really didn't take it. It, 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 it really didn't heal correctly. And it just wasn't right. So they examined me and told me basically that I had to have that surgery done again. So now I'm missing mm. all of 90 and, and, and all of 91. And at that time, I, I didn't know if I'd be able to play again. It was pretty depressing, to say the least. Um, you know, coming off my best year, going straight into two years and not playing, the game's going by me. And, um, you know, I was 
pretty – I didn't know if I even wanted to play again. Anyway, ended up going to Seattle, still dealing with the injuries, didn't work out. Ended up going to Green Bay, playing pretty good, feel like I'm getting it back, and then I busted my hand, mm. uh, my, my, my hand in two places, and they said that it would be an eight-week – uh, recovery, and then when I came back, I'd have to wear a ball cast with the rest of the season. So I didn't know how I was going to do that. So at that point, I was pretty frustrated. Hung them up. Uh, bought a ranch in Arizona. Decided to retire. Um, I'm actually learning how to work horses and be a cowboy, <laughs> which I had no idea how to do. Wow! Uh, but I had a ranch, so I ended up buying horses just to make the ranch look good. But then you got to take care of them, so you got to know what you're doing. So I had to learn all that stuff. And then out of the blue, my agent called me and says, hey, Philly wants to bring you in, and they just want you to rush the passer and teach his first-round draft choice how to play the game, and we'll pay so much money to do it. And I thought about it and said, you know what, I'll give it a try, see if I can go out the way I came in, healthy, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Went out there, and I swear, after about three games, I, I was done. I, I didn't want to play anymore. I, I, I basically finished the season hung them up and really never looked back again. Never even thought about it. Well, you had, you still had your appetite for football though, Keith, because you did have a long uh, tenure as a coach. I mean, some, some outside of the NFL and some inside. I remember seeing you here at the Denver Broncos, you're with Oakland Raiders. So did you enjoy that experience? Did that still give you that kind of rush of the, those Sunday afternoons? It really did. I, I kind of fell into it at the high school level when I was in Arizona, uh, the head coach, came to my house, my front door went asked me, he said, Hey, would you mind helping us out? We haven't had a lot of success here. And I said, why not? I don't have anything else to do. I uh, started working at the high school, really enjoyed working with the kids and, and teaching them whatever knowledge I had. And then uh, a couple college jobs came up, uh, some division two schools. And then I was a D coordinator. My first chance as a D coordinator at division three school back in California. So I moved back to California, and uh, and then uh, the NFL, and then I actually coached in the XFL for a season, and then <laughs> that led to the NFL, and uh, coaching with Mike Shanahan and his staff uh, had a great D line there. Learned a lot of football, a lot of coaching. It's it's you know it's like Bill Walsh told me when you go into coaching, it's more than just teaching them how to swim move and. Do what mm-hmm. you did. You got to learn how to get up on the board, be a teacher. You got to, you know, film study. You know, there's so much more to it. So there's a lot I had to learn. And, and then and in the process of doing that, I just fell in love with it. And even though, you know, it's long, long hours, probably, you know, unnecessary long hours for the, the, the sport of football. But I learned a lot. I got to work with some great guys uh, on some different teams and um, got total 25 years of coaching the last 11 in the NFL and um, and gave it up a couple of years ago. Well, I know you still bleed purple, Keith, and as you take a look at uh, this Vikings defense right now, in particular the defensive line, I, I imagine that you would love to play for a guy like Mike Zimmer, uh, knowing what his acumen is as, as a defensive coach. Absolutely. Absolutely. They do a great job over there. I, I really enjoy watching them play. It was really nice to see them uh, beat the Eagles, who I have a lot of respect for and think they've got a lot of good players themselves. I thought it was going to be a tough game. They really turned it on. Uh, something to really be excited about. I'm looking forward to them finish this thing out and, and getting getting back to the Super Bowl, the championship game. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting. That was a huge win for him to get, you know, to get back on, on track 
and uh, I'm really excited what they're going to do the rest of the season. Keith Millard, NFL 1980s All-Decade Team, one of the 50 greatest Vikings, NFL Defensive Player of the Year, 1989, but more importantly, just a great human being and a good friend, and appreciate you giving us some time uh, today and and uh, refreshing the, from the minds of so many Viking fans who have such affection for you and what you did for here in Purple. So, Keith, thanks for your time. Well, thanks, Mark. I really appreciate that. I love you, buddy, and I hope to see you soon. Great stuff uh, there from Keith Millard. And, Mark, he's the type of player, you know, you mentioned the accolades, and I'm glad you did. I mean, he, he was named a oh. member of the 1980s All-Decade Team, and that, I'm, I'm not saying Keith's going to go to the Hall of Fame, but that, that's something that Hall of, happens to Hall of Famers, two-time first-team All-Pro. But those aside, Mark, he was his style of play is yes. is one that fans gravitated toward and liked. You know well, what I mean? I mentioned uh, uh, Wabi. I mean, it was uh, other than Alan Page and his position as defensive tackle. No one I'd ever seen play the game was quicker off the ball than Keith Millard when he was healthy. It, yeah. it was something to behold. He was that dominant, that good, and it's unfortunate he, they came all so close with that with with Chris Dolman and Henry Thomas. That defensive line they had and mm-hmm. uh, Scott Studwell that uh, gave us some great memories. Well, we're not going to have Keith Millard to help us chase Matthew Stafford around. <laughs> so, what can we do to defeat the Lions, Mark, on Sunday? Well, just doing the basics. I mean, I think that they're on a pretty good roll uh, right now with what Kevin Stefanski is doing offensively. I think they found a rhythm to what they're doing with the weapons they have uh, in talking to some of the defensive linemen, and they know that, that Stafford's not going anywhere. He takes a beating, uh, mm-hmm. but he'll hang in there, and that, that's the thing to, to, to appreciate and respect about Matthew Stafford. Who knows what kind of mood the Lions are going to be in after that game yeah. in Green Bay the other night yeah. with the officials getting involved and how their mindset's going to be. But the Vikings have to take care of business. This is a big divisional game. They have not won one yet. And they got obviously got two left with with, with Detroit. And uh, this is a big one here on Sunday. It is. And we want we want Kirk Cousins to be in a good mood for under center with Kirk Cousins <laughs> and Mark Rosen for next week, right? That we do. Yes. Absolutely. On Monday. That's sure. right. And he'll be in a good mood if the Vikings can win. And we're all going to take a listen to see if that is indeed what happens. The game is Sunday at noon central time right here on fm 100.3 the fan and the vikings radio network voice of the vikings paul allen will have the call pete bursich will be in the booth former vikings ben lieber and greg coleman will be on the sideline the pregame show is hosted by muss and that begins at 10 a.m our thanks to keith millard for joining us tonight skull stories presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the minnesota vikings on behalf of everyone here at the vikings entertainment network and mark rosen i'm wabi signing off for now enjoy the game on sunday everyone skull vikings Thank you.